Allen pass the block. Here come the Aces on the run. De-Energizer. Looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show, show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Jason three. Jason three. The energizer. Put a three from half court. Are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There are six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in. in, in, in. Glad to have you with us here on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk some Las Vegas Aces here in the first segment. You'll hear from Becky Hammond. The head coach has got a chance to talk with Becky before last night's game. So we are going to give you that interview and talks very openly and candidly about the current slide the team is on. And unfortunately, it continued again last night. The Aces with a loss in a wild, crazy fashion, a record-setting fashion. But it wasn't record-setting for the Aces. It was all about the opponent, the New York Liberty and Sabrina Inescu. So we'll talk about that. You'll hear from Becky Hammond, Mickey Sudu, that's right, the uh, eight-time Mustard Belt champion. So Mickey will join us today as we reconvene with her after talking with her last week as she was prepping for the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. So Mickey will join us today to recap that uh, great event that uh, we saw, witnessed, and talked about uh, on Monday. Of course, a a lot of hot dog talk, as always, here on the show. George Shea, Mickey Sudo, Joey Chestnut. Um, so again, we'll talk to Mickey Sudo coming up this hour. Next hour, Sam Gordon will join us. Sam just uh, leaving Raiders facility as uh, the Raiders name their new president. And we will get into that today. And uh, the third president within the last year. So we'll see how this uh, goes. We know Mark Davis has been very nervous um, with everything that's been hovering around uh, the Raiders and uh, today, hopefully, he feels better as he gets that process behind him now as he named a new president. Uh, and she is Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president for the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, that happens today. The press conference uh, just concluded. Sam Gordon will join us a little bit later. He was there. He'll talk to us uh, all about that. But uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new Las Vegas Raiders president, and the first, I believe, the first female president in the National Football League. First, first black me- uh, female. First, yeah, okay. First, I, first, first African American yeah. female um, uh, president in the NFL. Leave it to Mark Davis to put equality into the the mix. Uh, the master of the Title Nine, as I like to say, and uh, on the cutting edge. Does not matter for him. Race, creed, color, gender, doesn't matter. And uh, he's done a great job of hiring some great high-powered females to run the Las Vegas Aces with Nikki Vargas at, at the top. And uh, the, and, you know, the, the rest of the, the great Aces uh, staff there as well, too. And we're seeing that with the Raiders as well, too. So, yes. 
Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president for the Raiders. Uh, she's a Las Vegas native. She's been a longtime trailblazer. First person of color to serve as the chair of the Nevada Gaming Control Board. First African-American city attorney in the state of Nevada. She was recently uh, with the law firm Covington and Burling. Previously served as the city attorney for the city of North Las Vegas. Prior to that, she served as a litigation attorney for an international gaming and hospitality company. So now she is running the day-to-day operations from really a financial perspective uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders in the National Football League. I think a lot of people don't fully understand the president role in a National Football League team. They do not get involved really in the day-to-day personnel operations. That is not their job. They focus on the financial end of it. They do a lot of guest appearances. They're kind of like the face of the franchise. You'll see them out doing doing a lot of stuff, a lot of hand gliding and you know shaking hands, kissing babies. Uh, and with Sandra, you know that she knows Las Vegas very very well. She knows the right people. She's very well connected, a uh, longtime litigator. So this should be a a good fit uh, for the Raiders, especially here in Las Vegas. So remember. Uh, Dave Ziegler is going to be handling the day-to-day football operations. He is the general manager, uh, but Sandra Douglas Morgan will handle a lot of the financial things, um, be very involved in negotiating some of the outside deals, outside of the football realm and everything, and uh, bringing that all together. So I know Mark Davis is very happy about the announcement of Sandra Douglas Morgan as the new president for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, her husband was Don. You guys may remember this. I mean, he played for the Minnesota Vikings and the Arizona Cardinals um, going back for a couple years, 19, the 99 to 2002 season. So, yeah, she's got a little football in her family blood as well, too. All right, so we'll talk to Sam Gordon about that a little bit later on. Scott Spritzer will join us next hour as well, too. Talk about baseball, handicapping, and also the NBA Summer League, which, uh, by the way, will be returning to the NBA Summer League, be broadcasting the show out there tomorrow. So look forward to that. Uh, Always one of our staples being out there at the NBA Summer League, um, doing the show out there with a a bevy full of guests. So we look forward to that uh, out there uh, tomorrow on Friday, where it's really kicking off tonight. You have two games tonight, and then... Uh, everyone else will be in action starting tomorrow. 30 teams, all 30 of the NBA teams will be in attendance. And when you think of the NBA Summer League, definitely you think about Las Vegas. You think about the Thomas and Mack Center. But really, this is really the first time that you've had all 30 teams that have been out there. I mean, last year you had it, but years passed. And, you know, last year was kind of a, a funky, weird scenario because it wasn't its traditional time. It was in August because the season was delayed last year coming off the pandemic. So this will feel back to normal. The crowds were okay last year. They were good, but they weren't great. There would be some times when we would see in like 2017 and 18 and 19 where you would have actually sellouts for certain games. I remember the Zion Williamson game when he made his debut with the Pelicans. 
Thomas and Max Center was sold out. But as I've always said, it's a great atmosphere. It's a carnival-like atmosphere for NBA fans. You can walk around. You can see a plethora of games. You can be there all day. You got all-day passes. You can still get your tickets starting at $40 uh, for an all-day pass. They have some higher-priced tickets if you want some reserve seating. You can pay a little bit more for that. But it, it's great because there are so many NBA uh, current NBA players, former NBA players, coaches, general managers, the who's who, they, they're all there because this is the gathering point for the NBA. This is where they, they hold a lot of their you know, summer league meetings and you know they get plenty of golf in, plenty of drinking, plenty of eating, and uh, then you know the coaches and the GMs, they're doing their scouting and they're looking at the young players. Remember, the summer league is for rookies and second-year players, you know, some street-free agents. So you're not going to recognize a, a lot of the talent that's on the floor, but it's more than that. And most of these guys are very, very approachable. Fans get a chance to rub elbows, meet and greet, get autographs, get selfies. It's just a fun atmosphere. And, you know, broadcasting from the concourse Ever since you know I came back here for my second stint in Vegas in 2015, it's just it's been a regular thing, and we enjoy being out there and doing that each and every year. So we're going to be doing that tomorrow, and uh, and next Friday we will be out there for the NBA Summer League. So it starts tonight with two games, and uh, again, uh, ten days of fun and frolic there, NBA style. Uh, of course, during this time. We always get the NBA players as well who come out to the Aces game. We saw that last night. uh, Several uh, NBA players, former NBA players. Matt Barnes uh, was there last night. He was checking out the action with several other, you know, former NBA guys. So, always good. But the product on the floor last night at the Michelob Ultra Arena. If you like offense, that was your type of game last night. Aces fans did not care for the result. Aces lose 116 to 107 in that game. Crazy game. And like I said, if you like offense, you got it. You like swings and runs, you got that. The Aces got off to a pretty good start last night in the first quarter. And what Becky Hammond preaches, 40 minutes. Give me 40 minutes. The Aces, again, failed to do that in back-to-back games here. The Liberty scored nine straight points to go up 18-9 to in the first quarter. Aces then scored 14 in the next 20, and they took a one-point lead, 26-25. Kelsey Plum was on fire in the first quarter, had 11 points. Second quarter, Aces scored 12 straight points to open the quarter, led by double figures for much of the second period. Asia Wilson had 11 points in the period for the Aces. Chelsea Gray handed out five assists. And Vegas led 63-55. Now, you felt pretty good at that point in time. It's like, okay, the Liberty had a nine-point early lead. The Aces came back, led by double digits, trimmed to eight at halftime. You're feeling pretty good. Here comes the third quarter. The Aces built a 10-point lead in the third, only to watch New York score 11 straight points to lead by one. Aces countered with an 11-0 run of their own. But then the Liberty then scored 10 straight points to tie the score. It was crazy. New York went 4 from 9 from three-point land in the third quarter, while the Aces 1 of 3. 
And it just seemed like the three-point shot attempts were not there. Obviously, they were hitting in the first half. Had eight of them in the in the first half. And then the offense dwindled away. Here comes the fourth quarter. Aces scored the first five points of the quarter to lead by six. They're up 89-83 in the fourth quarter. You're feeling pretty good about the Aces' chances again. Then the Liberty countered by scoring 12 straight points. They took the lead. And then from that point on, never relinquished the lead. It was still a six-point Liberty lead with 2.41 to go. Then New York scored six straight to basically end the game at that point in time. The Liberty made 14 of 21 shots from the floor while the Aces made 4 of 15 in that fourth quarter. But the real story of this game was Sabrina Inescu. First ever 30-point triple-double in WNBA history last night. 26 years in the league, that's never been done before. 30 points and a triple-double for her. She scored 31, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. That's her third triple-double in her career, but the first, obviously, where she scored over 30 points, and that's the first one, first time it's ever happened in the WNBA history. New York tied a WNBA record for making 18 three-pointers on the night. 31 um, attempts there. 18 for 31. That's 58%. Vegas, 13 of 27. 48%. Plenty of offense, but just no defense for the Aces. Liberty made 58% of their shots. Aces made 49. Vegas went 26 for 30 from the free throw line. New York, 14 of 16. Liberty and the Aces combined to score 223 points. Great for the overbetters last night. I know there were several of them. Uh, most points in a, in, a, in a regulation, non-overtime game, 223. So they combined for that record. New York tied to WMA record with 18 three-pointers. Like we said, team combined for, for 31 made three-pointers all in all. So you like offense, you got it. The 116 points scored by the Liberty tied for the seventh most in WNBA history, the most ever allowed by the Aces, a horrific sign there for them. Asia Wilson, fantastic game, 29 points. Kelsey Plum, 18 points. KP scored in double figures for her 29th straight game. Wow. Very disappointing game for the Aces. You're going to hear from Becky Hammond as we talk to her. I, I sat with her like I do before each and every Aces game. I wanted to play this back for you today because Becky is so open and so honest. And we talk about the current slide that this team is in. We talk about the All-Star game, but always engaging, always forthright, and we'll tell it like it is. Becky Hammond, the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. Coming off that bad loss against Minnesota, not happy, obviously. Describe what you felt, what went wrong in that game. Mm, It would be easier to describe what went right because there wasn't much. That would be a very short list. It would be a short interview here then, too. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, basically, I just thought defensively we were atrocious, um, which I didn't quite understand because we just guarded them um, very smartly. Uh, the night before and it was like we just you know they came out they hit a couple shots and we didn't stay the course we started to panic go rogue um it's one thing to play selfish offensively it's another whole thing when you play selfish defensively so uh you know not my man 
kind of score mentality. And, you know, at the end of the day, no one person loses. We, we win them together and we lose them together. Um, so uh, I want to see a 40-minute defensive game from us tonight. How difficult is it to play these back-to-back -back games against the same team, especially on the road? It's terrible. It's terrible. It's not the way it should be done. Right. The fact that we're playing this team three times in a row, uh, I'll move on or I'll get fined. <laughs> okay, Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> Bigger picture. Have lost four of the last six games. How much of a concern is it for you? And what are the main correctables, you would say? Uh, you know, I'm not opposed to adversity. I'm really not. I, I, I don't like losing, um, but you definitely can... It t you tend to learn more from the losing than builds the winning. Builds character, right? Builds character, builds perseverance. And at the end of the day, if you want to be a championship caliber team, you got to know how to take a punch. And so you don't learn how to take a punch until you get punched, and then you get punched again, and then you, you build up a resiliency, a grittiness to you, um, you know, and, and that's what we need to build to be the last team standing. And so I'd, I'm happy to be building it in July rather than August or September because those are really hard lessons in those months. How do you feel this team responds to you like that? You, your message, and then getting punched, you know, by these opponents? Well, typically, I got to tell you, they've, they've responded well, typically. Um, you know, Seattle, we had... It's hard to overcome 20 turnovers on a road in a 40-minute game. I mean, you're turning the ball over every other minute, basically. Um, so that there's there's that. Um, but typically, when I've gotten on them, um, they have responded. Uh, you know, have we had? My concern with this team has always been 40 minutes. I'm like, you guys can be brilliant for a quarter and two quarters of this and that, but I'm like, I just want solid. Give me solid for 40 minutes, not brilliant for 10 and just average or below on the other three. Just give me solid. I don't need amazing. Becky Hammond joins us. Uh, won't be long here, then you gotta go right back on the road. It's the last game before the All-Star break. How do you feel about this team as you head into the break here? Um, I mean, you know, you can get into this little bit of an all-star lull too like it's the middle of the season it's not new and fresh and shiny anymore it's it's a little bit more of a grind so um i'm hoping that uh you know our girls obviously we have a few in in the all-star game um you know just look at this time to regroup mentally sometimes it's best to just get away for a little bit um and regroup mentally. If I get them mentally, I don't worry about the body. The body follows the mental. So uh, they got to take care of their hearts and their minds and um, during this time, and hopefully we come back uh, better, uh, more resilient here coming into the second half of the season. And you're really not getting that much time off. I mean, you have four players in the All-Star game. Oh, and by the way, yourself, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, coaching the All-Star game. Uh, then you go on the road and a three-game East Coast road trip here. So. How does that factor into really not really getting much rest at all? And then you got, you know, four-fifths of your starting lineup are just go, go, go. Good thing I'm the coach of some of them. The only one I don't have control over is Jackie. I might only play him for like five minutes so they get rest. <laughs> I know I'm kidding. They'd be so mad at me. Uh, right. <laughs> Aisha told me she was calling all the shots. After all, it is Team Wilson. Uh, well, somebody just asked me if they call, if she called me to consult about what trades and who she should pick. I was like, absolutely not. If anybody, if you're not paying attention, I call her and ask that question. <laughs> who do you like? Who do you want? What do you want to get here? What trade do you want? Uh, yeah, that's my boss right there. <laughs> that's your boss. All right. Uh, you're coaching your first All-Star game. Uh, how do you feel about that? 
I mean, I think it's just fun. It, it was always as fun as a player to kind of get to mingle and be around your peers and, and the other team, the girls on the other team in a, in a less uh, frantic and less stressful situation. So uh, I'm looking forward to just kind of catching up. You know, Sandy coached me in um, San Antonio. Uh, you know, so just different, seeing different people. Um, you know, James Wade. So just seeing a lot of people I haven't had time to catch up with that I would like to. Right. Um, as well as just have some fun with uh, some extremely good basketball players. How different is the All-Star game today than it was when you played? I don't know. We'll see. You haven't been around We'll right? see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and I'm sure you were around many of the NBA All-Star games yeah, as well, you too. Know, I've, when I played, I went to a lot of them. I did the two, but I was you know, involved a lot in NBA All-Star, um, as well as WNBA All-Star, yeah. uh, clearly. But, um, you know, I haven't been to a, a W uh, All-Star game in, I don't know, eight, nine years. So. You, you don't know what you're missing. We hosted it, you know, two of the last three years. I think It was popping here. I think Vegas, TC, I, I know. Vegas should ho host it every year. And just make it a thing. That's what I've been saying. Make it a yeah, thing. You got yeah. all the summer league here. Like, to me, this is a tricked layup. Like, we smoked a layup. <laughs> right, right. Like, this is an easy one, it's guys. It's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. You yeah. got the Mecca of Meccas. And it's not just the NBA. There's so many tournaments. Everybody comes here. Yeah. And I'm like, if you make it a thing, then people can plan well in advance. Oh, hey, we can go here because it's not a question mark. Oh, where is it going to be? Exactly. We know where it's going to be, what time it's going to be. And you're gonna, you would have the who's who of all basketball in the building watching, supporting um, these women. And I know we talked about that with Mark Davis before. He's got a voice. you got a voice. Does he want to do it? Because I haven't even actually talked to him about yeah, it. Yeah, I think it would be great. And but I guess the, and this is just me saying this, the vibe that I'm getting, do you think it's because they feel like, well, it's an unfairness to let these other cities host and other teams host like a Chicago this year? Is that really it? I mean, it shouldn't be, but. I do you want to make the, money or not? But that's the only reason. Do you right? want to make money? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Do you want to make money? You yeah. will sell this place out. Yeah. You will sell this place out. They're already here. Like, think about this. If the guys wanted to come, and the guys love watching the WNBA. They, yeah. They're junkies. They watch we, the we WNBA. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but now they just flew in here. Now you're going to make them fly back out to Chicago? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, clearly I have a biased interest in this because then I don't have to go anywhere. You got that right. You got <laughs> but, Wake up in But your I'm bed. just saying yeah. on a business standpoint, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you got literally 500,000 basketball junkies flying in for this two-and-a-half-week stretch. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you have it here? It's a no-brainer. Hit the gavel. Come on. Let's get it, get Let's it right. Let's make some money so we can pay these girls some more money. Now you're talking some truth. Sabrina Inescu, how do you defend her? Uh, and how much have you got a chance to see her? I've watched her a lot. Okay. Uh, I actually watched her in college. She would be, uh, you know, the Oregon, they would be on in our coaches' locker room uh, before games. Yeah. Um you know, so I watched her, and uh, she just has some tools that you can't teach. So it's not like um, you're going to take – she's got vision. She's got generational vision, right? Like people that yeah. are, are, are one of a kind. Yeah. Um, she has that kind of vision. She's obviously uh, tall. She's big for, for, for her position. And uh, she, she does a lot of things well. She boards. She's shooting it better now. Um, I, I think she's getting a little bit more comfortable being more of a scorer. Um, this year, I think she's shooting it a little bit more than in years past, but um, she's a very young player. She's a very talented player, and she's a player that's willing to uh, put in the work. She's got the mind, so eventually that becomes super scary, um, and you try to not let them have the ball that much. That's the best way. You can't avoid all of it. Obviously, she's going to have the ball, but we'd like to get it out of her hands when we can. We now, let me tell you the girl that you need to watch tonight. Go ahead. 
Oh, where'd she go? Johannes. Johannes, yeah. She, Marine jo this she, kid she can stroke it. Can yeah. hoop. Mm. Not she her the way she plays with her pace yeah. and she got she got some junk too. I really like her. She's I'm from France fan. too. Okay. We like yep. the Frenchies, come on. There you go. <laughs> All right, final message to the team. I know it's gonna be forty minutes. What else are you saying to him before you hit the floor? Well here's the thing, I think early on this team there was an excitement, there was an energy, they were having fun. And getting your butt kicked is not fun. So let's get back to kicking butt so we can have more fun. There it is, Becky Hammond. Last night, they got to get back to having fun and kicking butt. They got their butt kicked again. They lost by 31 on Sunday in Minnesota. Last night, they lose by 9, 116-107. You can't give up 116 points in a game, especially for a coach like Becky Hammond who just preaches defense. Everyone wants to talk offense in the WNBA. They want to talk about Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, the five double-digit scorers in their starting lineup. And she says they get that because it all starts with their defense. And it's true. And the defense has been non-existent. To give up 102 and then 116 in back-to-back -back games, no good. And going back to the home court situation. They've now lost four games at home. Eight and four. Uh, that's, that's no good. They've won. They've, they've now lost, what, four of the last five home games. The Aces now have lost five of the last seven games overall. And despite that, they still have a record of 15 and seven. And that record is important for the overall number one seed come playoff time in August. But right now, they are in the battle with the Commissioner's Cup. It's going to be the Aces versus the Chicago Sky. Now, the Commissioner's Cup, you play 10 games, majority against the teams in your own conference. Those, call, those count as Commissioner Cup games. That's all done now. So the Aces are representing the West. They were 9-1 Commissioner Cup games, most of those coming early on the season, when they were playing good. Chicago Sky, 9-1. So they're going to play, and the Commissioner's Cup will take place on July the 26th. It's kind of a new invention, kind of the third year of this. Well, second year, really, because they didn't do it in the pandemic in 2020 when they played in Braden, Florida. But it's bonus money, $40,000 for each player. Plus, there's money that goes to the charities of the teams. And it'd be great for the Aces to host this. But right now... Last night, they're in control of their own destiny. If they would have won last night's game, they're hosting here, Michelob Ultra Arena, Mandalay Bay, on July 26th. Now, because they lost to the Liberty last night, Chicago Sky has a record of 15-6. and six. If they have the same record, Aces will win on tiebreaker for point differential against the other team. First, tiebreaker's head-to-head, -head, but they played twice, each one a game. So... The Chicago Sky played tonight, but they play at Indiana. If Indiana can pull off the upset, then the Aces will host the game on July 26. If Chicago wins, Chicago will host, and that will be your Commissioner Cup championship game. So we will see how all that uh, plays out. But uh, good stuff hearing from Becky Hammond. Definitely uh, open, honest, love talking with her. Players love playing for her. And uh, her team's in a rut right now, 
and she realizes it. And like she said, it's better to go through this in July and not in August and September come playoff time. All right, when we come back, more hot dogs. We will talk to the women's champion for the eighth straight year, even though she took off last year because she was pregnant. But, you know, the contest that she's entered, she's won eight straight. The Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Champion and uh, formerly of Las Vegas, of course, Mickey Sudo joins us next. Are you telling me that you built the T.C. Martin Show? And when I came to, I had a revelation, a vision, a picture in my head, a picture of this. The Doctor, T.C. Martin. Martin, Martin. We're jamming on it, of course, and nobody jams on hot dogs better than Mickey Sudo. Not once, not twice, not three, four, five, six, seven. Her eighth mustard belt on Monday and love talking with her, as we do each and every year. And we got to talk to her while she was training, if you remember, last week. And as promised, she returns as the mustard belt is probably around her shoulder or up on a wall. Who knows what? Or maybe Mad Max is, is playing with it. Who knows what? But <laughs> Mickey Sudo back with us. Congratulations, champ, again. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so I, I got to ask you, okay? So, you know, like, with, and I t- when we talked to George Shea about this, I asked George, I said, you know, George, you know, with boxers, they just have, like, one belt, and then they defend it, and then they get to keep their belt. Or if they lose it, then they get the same belt back. No. I mean, mm-hmm. George and these guys, they're, they're making new belts every year. So you physically have eight mustard belts, don't you? I do, and they're all hanging on my wall now. Um, the funny thing, like, fun fact, um, so prior to the 100-year anniversary, they looked really different. And uh, so in, I think, was that in 2016, for the 100-year anniversary, right. they really amped it up. And those are, like, the, the wrestling-style belts that you see today. Um, also, they didn't make them in 2020. So um, there was no uh, pandemic specialty, uh, you know, 2020 belt. So Joey and I actually, you know, for media reasons, we have, like, backup belts, I guess, sure. so, you know, like prop belts. So Joey and I, I don't know if we, uh, we helped ourselves to the, uh, to the backup belts from, uh, headquarters. <laughs> Very- so it just says world champion. Very nice. So you actually have them on your wall. Is that, you display them on your wall? Is that what yeah. you do with it? Okay. Yeah, they're all, they're all hanging on my wall. Oh my goodness gracious. So now, um, I don't know if you know, you probably do know this, but George had told us that Kobayashi actually uh, had the belt one time and then he lost it or, or never gave it back. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with that. I, I, I'd have to ask Joey Shea uh, for that full story, but it sounds like uh, he gets really heated whenever he tells it. Yeah, yeah something I don't know. Like, he, I, could it possibly have been lost? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I had told him, you know, here in Vegas, I used to promote, you know, professional wrestling. And, you know, we had mm-hmm. a championship belt and we had tag team belts. And so I would we'd just give the belt to the wrestler and then he would like go on the road or whatever. And my heavyweight champ actually lost his belt, you know, year, years later. Oh it was like, hey, where, where's the belt? You know, I got I to gotta spend more money to get another belt made. So, but that's pretty cool because those that's things. That's not co- like something I would say if I just didn't want to give it back. That's but yeah, true. now we, we, we are, now they are made, you know, it says like, you know, 2020 20 or yeah. uh, not 2020, 20, but 2021, 20, 22. Yeah. So, yeah. That is funny. They're that, meant to be kept. That's, that's true. So 
No, Mickey, were you around? Uh, did you get a chance to know Kobayashi at all when he was competing? No, I didn't. And uh, so he, oh, God, what year did he have his whole thing? But, no, it was before my time. But, uh, you know, when I was really new in this, I think I just, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt like, okay, cool, I'm in this. I, you know, I got to meet Jerry Tuchnett and everybody's so friendly. And so I sent him a message, I think, on Twitter, just saying something like, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I love your story. Something, just super, something super complimentary, whatever it was. This is literally like, I don't know, at this point, close to 10 years ago, right? Brand new. And, uh, he, he either personally or his team blocked me on Twitter for sending a complimentary, hi, my name is Miki message. And I just like, I, I had no clue like what the story was with that. But yeah, apparently I never met him, never got to talk to him. Just sent him a nice message saying like, Hey, you've done wonderful things. Band blocked on Twitter. So Kobayashi, if you if you and your team are listening, I'd love an explanation. Yeah, right. And the thing is, and George has talked about this before that you know mm-hmm. he they they had the rift and that sort of thing. And Kobayashi felt like just in George and everybody was just pro USA and that sort of thing. And again, this competition's been going on since like 1916, mm-hmm. and it, it is it's part of mm-hmm. our you know Americana, as I like to say. And but yeah. George George even admitted he goes okay maybe you know didn't he didn't maybe act the best you know when this one, but he he offered Kobayashi to come back anytime. He goes I would still welcome him back and everything, but it seems like Kobe. Oh. Yeah. She wants still wants nothing to to do with anyone regarding this, and I I think you were around in 2019 when he he rushed the stage, right? I don't I don't know if that was in 2019. That, I think that's, it was. That's really maybe or, or maybe it's earlier. Was that earlier? Okay, it, maybe it, it was. had to have been earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, no, it was definitely there in 2019. Um, so not then, but um, oh, that was 2010. Yeah. It was 2010. I, My bad. You're right. Yeah. Okay. 20, yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I don't think he was ever officially banned. I think he just didn't have a uh, he he couldn't agree with a contract. Right. But I'm, I'm just yeah. like, but it just you know we all play that by the same rules and uh, you know make it work. Uh, if uh, I think it's really easy for Kobayashi to say like you know I'm the best and I would beat everybody. If you if you're never going to throw yourself into the ring, of course you can talk all sorts of shit. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, it's really easy to just like throw stones when you're like not going to play. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think I think he just doesn't want to be beat. Um, but yeah, I don't think George would have any problem bringing back. He in fact said, you know, I'd give him an epic introduction. Sure. And uh, yeah. you know, because George loves what's good for the crowd, what's good for entertainment, and I mean, everybody loves a good rivalry. It would be great for ratings, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, George has no vested interest in keeping Kobayashi away. No, and he said that and agree with that. It just seems like it's really more on Kobayashi of not, you know, wanting. Yeah. And maybe it's one of these things where he's so proud because he had won all these championships you know before yeah. not just in hot dogs but everything else that it's like okay maybe mm-hmm. maybe he knows deep down inside he can't beat Joey you know maybe that could be yeah it too. I mean honestly yeah I mean because Joey's continued to improve I mean even in the absence of competition he's putting up like mid-70s that's unheard of nobody's behind him and he's doing that so I, I really doubt I mean I, I hate to even give Kobayashi so much airtime when he's like yeah, not yeah. even exactly. you know there to uh, you know, compete fairly. But uh, anyway, it is what it is. We'd love to see him back, you know. And then I'd actually love to see Sonia Thomas back, too. There you um, go. She obviously didn't leave on, like, you know, odd contentious notes like he did. But uh, she kind of just disappeared. It'd be great to see her again. Well, you know why she disappeared? Because Mickey Sudor sent her oh. packing. That was it. 
she couldn't oh she couldn't hang with you and that's it you're the queen as you know mickey come on i mean but but you know that's hot dogs i mean obviously nathan's is the biggest event that we do every year just because it's televised but we've got other competitions and there are events i mean not a lot of events but there are some events where she would absolutely beat me and those are like Oysters and crawfish, basically because I sorry, basically because I wouldn't do those two events. So it's like she could still win events on the circuit. Right? There's no way I'm doing an oyster or crawfish eating contest. Those are all hers. So it's like she can still be a champion, just not the hot dog eating champion. So you mentioned all these contests, and we know that you do multiple ones. We've talked about it before, but you know, after talking with you and then George and everything, I, I'm thinking I'm throwing my myself into this ring, Mickey. But there's one contest yeah. I think where I could dominate. I need a little advice or expertise from you you know the hot dogs i love hot dogs but i just can't down them like that i mean i can do 40 hot dogs but i'll do it in a month mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying you know okay, that, yeah. that's it but For i sure. think i think i could be capable at sweet corn what do you think oh okay yeah that was a totally different beast like so that's not capacity i mean actually we i wonder how much all that corn ends up weighing because like i did uh i forgot how many like 40 Five forty-six, 46, <laughs> high 40s, low 50s, whatever it was. But, like, that's, it starts to feel kind of heavy, but, like, that is so technique-driven. Okay. Um, I used to do, like, the typewriter style, like, kind of how a normal person would eat corn right? off the cob. But, like, these guys, like, a number of years back, like, pioneered this thing where you, you hold the, the ear vertically and you either just drag it up against your top teeth or down against your lower teeth. And I, like, as soon as they started doing this, I'm like, these numbers are insane. I can't do that because they would come back with busted up lips and like oh, bleeding no. gums. Oh, wait a minute. Right? Cause like the ears. Yeah. Because the, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. But then last year, or was it last year? No, this year I actually decided to join and I gave it a try and it actually wasn't all that bad. So anyway, what I'm saying is you should try it. Yeah, but now you've scared me off. I mean, you're talking about, you know, bloody lips and and, and all that sort oh, of yeah. thing. I, I could be in trouble there. Yeah, yeah. See, I, yeah. Wasn't th- I wasn't thinking about it. You're right. Everything is the technique. And, you know, for the average person who doesn't watch the hot dog eating contest every year, they just think, oh, you're eating hot dogs. When they watch what you guys do, where you're squeezing the dog and you're squeezing the bun and you're wetting everything, and they're going like, you're yeah. just shoving him down your throat there. I mean, do you even chew these things? You're right. It's a. It's mm-hmm. all about technique technique probably in every one of these contests right yeah there are a few there are a few foods that are just uh more capacity driven so if you're just eating chili there's really not much technique other than like open up wide and keep <laughs> swallowing chili you know i mean there's, there's really not technique to that um but yeah a lot of the foods are you know like dunking requires a certain technique uh chicken wings and ribs where you're working around bone that requires a different mm-hmm. technique i, I don't know Oh, uh, so have you ever? There's a lot of thought that goes into this. There, there, there's no question. So, have you ever competed with Badlands Booker in a chugging contest? Oh no! But like when I first met Badlands, I was oh god, again like when really early on, he's like, "Hey, Mickey, we're in Buffalo, New York. We're going to go to Niagara Falls, and I want to do a chug with you." And I'm like, "I don't know what this is all about." Because right. this is before this is before Eric like. Eric Booker was already Badlands Booker, but Badlands Booker wasn't like Badlands Chugs, like millions of subscribers on YouTube. He, had, of course, had the channel, but now he's like, this, is, this guy's big now. But this is like, you know, he had a channel, but it hadn't really like, the YouTube gods had not completely blessed him yet. So I didn't really know what his whole thing was about. I'm like, yeah, okay. So it's just like we're drinking like a, I don't know, like a little 
individual bottle, like 16 ounces of lemonade, I think. And, of course, he just, like, opens up, pours it down, finishes in, like, a second and a half. And I'm just, like, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to drink normally because I, I can't shoot, you know, beer bottles or, or sodas or whatever. Like, I'm not a, a fast drinker. And so, yeah, he completely crushes me and all of that. So, no, Badlands is, like, hands down the king of drinking. Um <laughs> Yeah, so how, I, I can't. I, I can't even hang with a normal person. Right. <laughs> so you you would not uh, be good at, at one of the bars, and then someone says, "Hey, let's, let, you know, I think take no. you down chugging contest. You're out. That's it." So like at Aria, um, um, at Todd English Pub, they used to yep. have like a, a challenge where if you finished a, a pint of beer, I want to say they gave you seven seconds. If you could finish it in seven seconds, um, the beer was free, and I think they let you do it like up to three times. Like again, this is like. I don't know, whenever I worked at Aria, so forever ago. But, um, yeah, I couldn't do anything like that. And other people are saying, like, that's easy. A pint in seven seconds? Are you kidding me? Nope, can't do it. <laughs> hey, how come Badlands wasn't in the contest this year? Oh, he did um, He did a chug-off or a chugging contest uh, between Before. the men that's and right. the women's contest. Yeah, oh. he's. A, I think he's just kind of, you know, for a lot of reasons, moving away from, like, eating hot dogs okay. and just kind of hosting the, the chugging event. Okay. Um, which kind of fits, you know, better for his brand anyway and gives him, like, kind of a break physically. All right. Mickey Sudo joins us. She collected her eighth mustard belt on the 4th of July, a victorious 40 dog. So how do you feel you did as a first-time mother in the contest? Oh, you know, like somebody pointed out, I'm the only um, Nathan's champion um, who is also a parent. I didn't, I didn't know that. So, like, on the guy's side, Joey won it. Uh, so I, I don't know. I guess a bunch of guys have won it. None of them had kids. Uh-huh. And you know, Joey Stoney. Um, on the women's side, you had Sonia, me, Michelle, all not moms. Like uh-huh. until me. So anyway, that, that was a really weird, unique. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like title that I, I title. found out that I had. But if, if anything, I, it's I a fun so, fact. Like, only yeah. <laughs> competitive eating champion mother, or whether mother champion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. I uh, I was back on the circuit. Um, not even two months after having Max, I, I did, you know, the wing eating championship in Buffalo, New York, and I beat, you know, Joey Chestnut, beat out Jeff Esper, I won the whole thing, so that was a huge boost of confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, you hit 40, and we know it was a hot day, and we had talked about that before. Oh, about God, yeah. yeah, I think it was, you know, around 85 degrees, so how how much does that really play into you not being able to kind of go after a record? I don't know. I, I, I hate to just blame the weather. I feel like that's uh, honestly, I thought it was my fault. I thought, you know, like, oh, God, I came into this too confident. Because, like, I had a really good practice. Uh, ten days before the fourth, I uh, I did a practice where I did 45, but in less than 10 minutes. I actually ran out of hot dogs. So, like, in 930, I did 10, uh, 45. Um, you know, I was lean. I felt super healthy. I, I, I felt good going into the event. And, I, and then I only ate 40. I'm like, what's wrong? And I thought it was me. And then I saw the guy's numbers. And I'm like, everybody's down. Yeah. So like, and of course Joey has his injury, and I have my wrist injury. But like, but but beyond that, like, you know, Jeff Esper's numbers were down. Um, basically, every every guy. Mm. Um, so I honestly, to me, it was almost. I'm trying to figure out like, were the buns tricky to dunk? Like it almost like it's almost like they dried out more and weren't yeah. absorbing liquid. But to me, it was almost like the hot dogs tasted different. So I don't know if they like, I don't know if they prepped to the grill. With like a different in a different way. I don't know if they had a, a new grill. If they're using a different grill, I don't know if they're using a different Nathan's recipe. But something about the way that they were cooked to me just felt 
different. Not not bad, but just like my like I wasn't used to it. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I'm I've always been curious. How long are those dogs sitting before you get a chance to eat them in the contest? I mean, how, how you know, when, oh. how, you know, when they're on the grill, I mean, are they sitting like for 5 minutes, 15, an hour? I mean, how does that work, do you know? That's, that's a good question. I mean, they, it seems like they're just kind of continuously cooking hot dogs. So, but are they hot? I are mean, they warm? Are they cold when you when you're yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're warm. I mean, but also, you know, the ambient temperature is also like 85 and they're in the sun. So, oh. I I don't know. <laughs> they don't they definitely have a, don't have a chance to cool down, but I think they're they're cooked pretty fresh. Um, and the thing is, like, if they were sitting out for too long, the buns would definitely give that away. Right. Um, you know, like, if, if you leave a bun uh, just unpackaged, it, it'll dry up immediately. It almost becomes like a crouton. Um, even if it's covered, um, then it becomes, like, soggy, mush, almost sticky. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the buns still feel that fresh, like, they can't be prepared too far in advance. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. The magic of Nathan's preparation, I, I, they're intricacies that I am not privy to. <laughs> That's interesting that they tasted a little bit different. And again, maybe... Um, I Honestly, yeah. I, something tasted like, like I, I don't know, like we're going to use a different recipe. Did we have a different supplier this year? You know, were, were they actually like, you know, like two grams over the normal weight? I, I don't know. Wow. But, but anyway, I, I can't blame it on anything. But yeah, something, something just... I, I can't figure it out, but everybody's numbers were down, and I honestly don't think it was the weather. Right. Okay. But, and you know, no, it was hot. There's nothing wrong with forty, I, girl. Nothing wrong with forty. I don't I'm, know. I yeah. don't like it. I'm, I, I know. I don't like it. <laughs> I know. Okay. More motivation to come back and 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 pound on the door yeah. fifty for next year. So there you go. So. The women's contest obviously takes a place before the men's, and I, mm-hmm. you, I believe, you know, I saw you uh, standing there watching Nick uh, compete and Joey and and everyone in that. And then we see this incident took place where a protester, you know, charges the stage here. Now, what was yeah. your viewpoint, you know, uh, with this, Mickey? Oh, and, and tell me how you saw it all go down. I, I was as close to that as you can get. Without being so, right in front of me was Joey. Joey's counter, the guy that like mm-hmm. literally stares at Joey's plate to count how many hot dogs he's eaten. So that guy's in front of me, but I'm directly behind him. So the stage is elevated. I probably like Nick and I probably could have touched hands if we reached out really, really hard. Um, so yeah, I'm no more than like four feet away from these guys, and uh, it was it was crazy because I was just staring at Nick who's eating to Joey's. Well, Joey's right, so stage left, mm-hmm. and uh, this guy in like a black shirt kind of runs behind Joey past Nick and then circles back and kind of pushes his way, like swaying in between Nick and Joey pushes himself in front. Um, and then Joey kind of keeps eating, stops for a second, looks over. And when he realizes like, Oh, this isn't somebody replating me kind of like pulls him back by his forearm, forearm at the neck, um, pulls him down. Meanwhile, George Shea is pulling this guy by the hips. So George Shea falls down along with this kid on the floor, um, and then I guess security kind of took him away. But then there was a, another guy in a, a white shirt and a stormtrooper mask that's still, like, hovering behind Nick and Joey while they're trying to eat. And I was kind of like, security is anybody going to take that guy away so there were three total two were removed one was left on stage for another two minutes so that was kind of unnerving but um yeah i um it's 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 just really 
it's unsettling for me because, like, yeah, they messed up a hot dog contest for a couple minutes, but, like, oh, 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 back to the hot dog contest. Um, so when the guy fell, he pulled the edge of the table and yanked at the tablecloth, I believe. So he sent a lot of Nick's dunking cups flying. So Nick now only has, like, three cups to dunk in for, the, for like, the remaining eight minutes. So he's all frustrated because you need your dunking cups to, like, eat yeah. hot dogs fast. But, yeah. I mean, he did all that, but, like, all that aside, like, what's, what's most unsettling to me is that, like, this guy or these people, like, made it through security. We don't know if you have weapons. Mm-hmm. We don't know if you have guns on you, if you have blades on you. I don't know what level of crazy you are. Okay, so it turned out you're just some, like, literal kid with, uh, you know, a 99-cent Party City mask. But, like, if somebody were to come into my personal space and, like, Joey and Nick were physically touched, like, at that point, you, like your safety is in question, and um, especially when you when you don't know how much you should be concerned for your for your well being. So it's just like I, I would just that kid is welcome to have his own opinions, but I think when it comes to like you know threatening somebody's physical space, um, that's that's like a line that you shouldn't be crossing. No, I mean a lot of questions there, and the first thing is, like you said, I mean, how does this guy get through? Where is security? You know, with this, and yeah. I mean, you were so close. Did you hear? We saw the goofball with this Darth Vader mask. Like you said, I love the ninety-nine cent party city. Very nice, Mickey. That, that, yeah. that you, you, you nailed that. Uh, and, and then the goofball, and like we talked about with George the other day, the branding. I mean, with Smithfield, uh, uh, you know. Whatever it was, he's, he's trying yeah, to say Death exposed, Star, uh, Smithfield Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what's your what's your message? What is it? But you were close enough there. Did did, did these guys say anything, or did they just appear on stage, or was he talking yeah. trash or anything? No, no, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that they were trying to expose themselves. Uh, you know, as individuals, I, I think they're trying to stay. You know, um, you know, trying to obscure their faces and not use their voices. Huh. Um, I, I don't know. And and the thing is, like, yeah, regardless of your political opinion, which they are, it's kind of funny, right, because it's the 4th of July, we're, we're kind of celebrating America's freedoms, and, you know, you have the freedom to express your opinion, and that's great. What you don't have the freedom to do is come into somebody's, you know, like, personal space and, and, and assault them, essentially, um, and, and threaten their well-being. So it's just, like, I, I really, well, I respect... You know their right to their opinion and all that. Um, yeah, uh, threatening somebody's safety no. is just not okay with me. No, it's a joke. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, as far as security, they they do a great job, um, and there there's definitely cost in security. Uh, there's just so many VIPs uh, and people, you know, mm-hmm. that it, I think it's hard for them to differentiate who belongs there and who doesn't at some point. Um, so. It's, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's it was crazy. There's no question. You saw it, uh, you know, firsthand up close uh, and personal there. And what about Joey? Doesn't miss a beat. He's in his middle of his 18th dog. He gives a guy a chokehold, throws him down, quick three count, and then he goes right back of just pumping dogs right away. And I don't know if Nick paused or not. Doesn't look like it. But uh, I mean, talk yeah. about uh, just being uh, a professional here. I mean, so what? What Joey? So Joey ended up with. 63 maybe with all that maybe he could have got 66 67 who knows yeah possibly I, I think you know once joey realized that the security team was on it um he could kind of just like go back and do his thing but uh yeah i don't know i'm, I'm kind of glad that nick didn't realize you know what was going on because 
he uh, if he had reacted, that guy uh, probably would not have been so lucky. Right. Crazy stuff. All right. Well, congratulations again on your eighth mustard belt. Uh, it's, thank you. Thank you. And uh, what's uh, what's next for you? Um. Yeah, we're just kind of getting back to regular life and relaxing a bit. Uh, we have a competition again at the end of the month. We'll be in uh, Minnesota for the Great Midwest Rib Fest, uh, eating baby back ribs for uh, for a little bit of money, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. All right. How difficult is the bones in that situation? Oh, it depends how they're cooked. You know, sometimes they're like fall off the bone easy and you yeah. get really high numbers. Huh. If they're um, kind of like dry smoke, mm-hmm. then uh, you, all, you really need to work at that to get the meat, you know, off each rib. So it mm-hmm. depends what you get. Sometimes they're heavily socked. Sometimes it's a dry rub. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of one of those surprises that you get um, day of. <laughs> all right. More importantly, when are you coming back to Vegas? Oh, gosh. Um uh, I, I mean, hopefully soon. I, you know, it'd be great if we had like a competition opportunity. But yeah. you know, if if not, my dad's out there. So yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe at the end of the summer when it's not like 120 <laughs> degrees. I mean, the Tampa heat and humidity is it's hard enough for me right well, now. Listen, I think if you're finding a contest, you can go to any place here in Vegas at any restaurant you want. And you say, "Okay, I'm up for a contest. Let's go." Uh, it's going to remember. <laughs> This is where it all started for you. Right here, right? Yeah, it here. is. Here. It is. Sushi yeah. and other yeah. people right here. That was it. Yeah. The very first one was uh, 587 off of, uh, yeah. God, what was it? Somewhere uh, like off of Jones and. Like Sahara or something I, I, like that, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then Village Pub was my first uh, head-to-head competition. It was the ribs thing. Uh, South Point had the uh chicken wing contest so yeah a lot of fond memories and a lot of like firsts in vegas there you go oh even the nathan's qualifier which they don't have anymore or they they haven't done nathan's qualifiers in a number of years but like yeah new york new york uh casino like right on the bridge it's where like you would earn your spot to go to coney island so there you go great stuff mickey memory lane (laughs) of course all right well when you do get back to vegas uh we gotta get together and get you on the show uh in person it'd be fantastic uh, to do that all right, girl. Thank hey, you so much. All right, tell tell Nicolo and uh, Max uh, continue uh, on with your with your motherhood and being a great mom, and we'll continue to watch oh, you, from, thank you from an eating standpoint. But always love having you on. Appreciate you. Yeah, pleasure talking to you. And uh, until next time, you got it, girl. Take care. Thank you. There Bye-bye. she is, Mickey Sudo, eight-time Nathan's famous international champion, taking down everyone. You gotta love it. All right, we come back. We talk Raiders. We talk baseball and a whole lot more on this thunderous Thursday. Give me a dog. Mustard and grilled onions, please. Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. In the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're gonna finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. 
All right, hour number two here on this thunderous Thursday edition. Thanking Mickey Sudo for joining us. Always great talking with her. Post Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest as she won her eighth mustard belt on Monday, the 4th of July. Great stuff there. All right. Appreciate uh, Becky Hammond. You heard from her after uh, the Aces lose again last night. Uh, just drastic fashion, the way they lost last night, giving up 116 points. Aces now have a little bit of a break, even though four-fifths of their starting lineup will be competing in the WNBA All-Star Game Sunday in Chicago. You can watch that 10 a.m. on ABC, locally Channel 13, and Becky Hammond will be coaching uh, Team Wilson as well, too. And Like Becky said, yeah, I answer to her. Asia's calling all the shots there. But unfortunate uh, game for the Aces last night. Again, losing back-to-back games, really, in, in kind of embarrassing fashion. But uh, the Aces will be back at home on the 19th when they play the Atlanta Dream. But this is going to be a rough uh, stretch for the Aces. So you got the All-Star game Sunday, and then they just continue on. So they left today, and they're on the road for a better part of a week as uh, after the All-Star game, they've got games Tuesday and Thursday against the same New York Liberty team uh, on Tuesday and Thursday. And then they got to face the Connecticut Sun on Sunday. So East Coast swing, a little Motown Philly, but no Philly stop there. You like that? A little Belle DeVoe reference. So uh, Aces will be back here on the 19th. So hopefully they can turn things around. But a tough schedule ahead, and especially the way Sabrina Inescu is playing, the way she played last night with the first ever WNBA triple-double with 30 points. She scored 31. First ever triple-double featuring a 30-point performance. And the man who was there, who saw that, like I did last night, our very good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam, what's going on, brother? TC, how you doing, my man? Appreciate you having me. You got it. All right. uh, We're going to get to the Las Vegas Raiders here in a minute, but you heard me talking about the Aces uh, thoughts last night, uh, Sam and Numchuck was was uh, could very distinctly hear your voice in the background while I was interviewing Becky Hammond last night. Sam, you have to keep it down a little bit. I guess I guess I do. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate Guilty? the heads up, Numchuck. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll volume down a little bit, so hopefully, hopefully that didn't uh, ruin what I know was a great interview, TC. But. <laughs> No. You talk about the Aces last time, TC, checking in with you at halftime. Uh, you know, it's clear their defense just wasn't good. I mean, it just wasn't good. They were they were shooting uh, the lights out of the ball, part of the reason they had that halftime lead. But you, you, you got the sense that that wasn't sustainable. And, and New York offensively just carved uh, the Aces up. And now all of a sudden the Aces are 2-5 and five, uh, in their last seven games after the blistering start. They've been, a, you know, a, uh, not a good basketball team in the last seven and pretty average uh, in the last five or six weeks or so, um, to be frank. Uh, struggled against some of the better teams in the league. And it's not the way you want to enter an all-star break. You look at what they're doing defensively. Uh, not good enough uh, perimeter defense in containing ball handlers and dribble drives. Miscommunicating on, on different pick-and-roll coverage and different actions. Uh, so much space for, for everybody just to kind of roam. New York, I thought, T.C., especially down the stretch last night, there was almost an eagerness for them to play offense because they knew that anything the Aces did defensively just wasn't effective. I mean, so many wide-open threes, so many layups, uh, probably as bad of a defensive performance allowing 100, you know, 115, 116 points, whatever the actual number was, 
in a 40-minute game, as, as I've seen since this franchise has relocated to Las Vegas. And, and uh, you know, Becky Hammond did acknowledge it. Asa Wilson acknowledged it. I mean, they know that, that, that the goal for this team uh, is to win a championship. That is the absolute goal after what they've been through the last couple of years, how close they've come. And in order to do that, you're going to have to defend at a lot higher of a level than they did last night. But frankly, right now, uh, there are there are, there are legitimate questions about about can this team will this team be able to defend at a championship level? I still think, uh, for the record, that they're they're talented enough, they are good enough uh, to straighten some things out. Look, it's a bad stretch of games; it's not the end of the world. But there are real issues. This defense hasn't wasn't just an issue last night. It's been an issue several games, even in games that they've won. And they have to be much, much better on that end, or it doesn't matter how explosive your offense is. You can't just win shootouts every single night. And how about Sabrina Inescu? I mean, for Las Vegas fans, probably the first time they really got a chance to see her. Uh, she was a, a great star at the University of Oregon, number one overall pick. Really never got into her own, probably until maybe last year, Sam. I mean, she went through some injuries, never had much surrounding help. But now she's got a, a great coach in Sandy Brondello, who did a fantastic job of making sure that UNESCO touches the ball just about every possession. Uh, Sandy runs great, great stuff. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, Phoenix Mercury former coach. But what we saw last night with UNESCO with this first ever, you know, uh, 30-point triple-double, just phenomenal. And it just goes to show you how good of a player she is. And she is legitimately a superstar in this league. No, there's no question, TC. There's a reason she went number one overall a couple of years ago. You just combine her her combination of, of size, of playmaking, of for, 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 for playmaking, creating for her teammates, and understanding pace uh, and tempo. All that has only improved since her time at the University of Oregon. I think uh, there was, like you mentioned, there were some struggles with injuries the first couple of seasons and just some organizational uh, turmoil as a whole. But now that she's healthy, uh, they have a, a great group of, 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 of players around her, players that complement her skill set, and she's in sets now and actions that maximize uh, what she's able to do. And when, when it's all clicking as it was last night, you see the upside, you see the capabilities, you see the potential. At only, at only 24 years old, um, this, like you said, this is a player, uh, a talent, who you would figure to, 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 to be a perennial all-star for the next decade or so, and eventually an MVP candidate as the, the organization in New York continues to improve around her and that nucleus continues to develop. So she, um, she, she was the best player on the floor last night, TC. There was no question about that. Uh, she had the, the Aces defense uh, in the palm of her hand. Everything that the, that the Liberty did worked, and all their counter, any adjustment the Aces made, the Liberty had a counter for that. It, it's you can play offense like that and, and be that efficient when you have a player like Sabrina Ionescu playing at the top of her game the way she was last night. She hasn't shot the ball that great, um, also you know, quite, you know, quite that prolifically uh, this season, but. She did last night, and that is what she is absolutely capable of. And, you know, quite frankly, she did an amazing job not only of, of scoring for herself, but ensuring that the Liberty, every trip down the floor, got a quality look. There was, there was no shortage of open standstill catch-and-shoot threes and, and high-percentage shots uh, for post players around the basket. She was excellent last night, and, and that is a taste and a glimmer 
of the kind of player she's going to be, uh, health, you know, good health provided uh, over the next several years in this league. She was nailing 25 and 30 footers from three point land last night. Uh, her her paint game was great too, penetrating the bug, just just fantastic. And if you like uh, high scoring games and if you like offense, you saw as both teams just shot an incredible percentage last night. Asia Wilson 29 points. She had a great game. Kelsey Plum uh, 18 last night. Uh, Plum's 29th straight game, I believe, 26th straight game of uh, scoring in double figures. So we'll see if the Aces can uh, get this back together. But like I said before I brought you on, Sam, is that they've got a little bit of a tough stretch here coming up. Um, and hopefully, you know, they can uh, they can get it turned around. All right, so Sam Gordon was at the Raiders facility today, and the Raiders held a press conference, and they named a new president. That new president is Sandra Douglas Morgan. She's a... A Las Vegas native, she is a, a longtime attorney. Uh, Sam, give us a, give us a little bit of a, the backstory here, and tell us what it was like today at the press conference. I know it just concluded a little little bit before we went on the air here today. Yeah, I mean, I think you just get the the, the sense with um, with Sandra Douglas Morgan, just the excitement and the eagerness she is to, to take over uh, to take over her new job. Uh, this, I think, the Las Vegas ties were, were certainly appealing. Just the myriad. Of experiences um, she 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 has and has had in this city, in particular UNLV law grad, as well. So the local ties run deep, and I think uh, you know Mark Davis, you know, said it himself: um, not the determining factor, but a determining factor um, for sure. Something that definitely helped, right? It's not going to, it's certainly not going to hurt by any means. But but you could just tell um, the enthusiasm and the excitement that she has and uh, taking over this program. Um, she addressed you know, the challenges, just given the, some of the some some of the reports that have emerged the last couple months about workplace culture issues, and, and you know knows that she has to uh, reshape things. Talked about wanting to meet with all the employees um, individually as everything kind of unfurls here, and she gets settled uh, in these next few weeks. And and, and when you look at it, TC, um, just kind of where the Raiders are at organizationally uh, now, you're in the position where as a franchise in both. The business operations and on the football side, you know, Mark Davis wants stability. That's what he wants to create. And you reset on the football side after a 10 and 7 season. And now you have your, your future president uh, um, secured. So it's, it's a, uh, a great opportunity for her. She, she mentioned that over and over and, and one that, you know, quite frankly, based on what we saw today, and then, you know, we know it's just a press conference. I expect her to take, um, take this and, and run with it and, and really, um, fine-tune the Raiders from a business perspective, continue to develop their brand in the community, because I think that's a crucial element. So you know at those games last year, uh, more often than not, it was it was half fans of the opposing team. It's still relatively new having the Raiders here and having to ingratiate uh, themselves with the community. She's going to play a massive, massive role in that. You can tell with the enthusiasm, and I think, quite frankly, um, an excellent hire by Mark Davis. I think she's going to really turn things around on, on that end and could not be more impressed um, today at the press conference. Considering the public backlash that the Raiders have received, specifically Mark Davis, for the front office culture, that, and again, uh, there's more stories that will probably come out about this. This story isn't going away. Do you think this is a message here by Mark Davis by hiring a female and a female African-American for this position? Uh, you know, potentially, but I, I also think he truly believes she is the best candidate for the job. Uh, that that what he he stressed that today. Obviously, he is aware 
of the historical significance. She's aware of the historical significance. But that wasn't, I don't think that was what was front and center uh, for Mark Davis. I think he really values, um, you know, the, the local ties. Again, the, the reputation, the, the overwhelmingly positive reputation she's developed. Um, through her hard work uh, in this community. I think that was, you know, priority number one. And this was a long, long process, uh, T.C. Davis said he told a, you know, a group of us today that he had met her uh, roughly a year and a half ago um, and had wanted her to work for the organization for quite some time. And, in, you know, a number of different roles. One role he mentioned was, you know, running the academy uh, that's going to be built adjacent to the practice facility uh, in Henderson for developing uh, younger coaches and new coaches and diverse coaching candidates. Um, that wasn't something she was interested in. And, and finally, uh, you know, the president's role seemed like it was the right fit. So this was a long time in the making. Obviously, I, I think the timing of the hire and the timing of the announcement certainly lends itself to those kind of questions. And I certainly, you know, that's definitely not, I mean, it's certainly not a negative for Mark Davis by any means. But I, I do think um, in, get, in getting to know her, he, he believes she was the best candidate for the job. Uh, and I guess you could, you know, the PR perks or whatever that is, are just, you know, I guess a bonus for the franchise. I think, based on again hearing her speak and knowing her relationships that she has in this community and what she's accomplished, I do believe she's the right fit, and I think that was priority number one uh, for Mark Davis. Even though TC, as you know, the Raiders have been at the forefront of a number of, of groundbreaking hires, and this is just another one. But that wasn't the goal with this particular hire. Right, and exactly, Mark Davis, kind of again following in his dad's uh, footsteps of being groundbreaking, and again being you know uh, pro women and and what he's done, and we saw these type of hires with the Las Vegas Aces as well too, and they have worked out uh, very good as well too in the short time that we've seen Nikki Vargas and 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 others, you know Natalie Williams and and others there, and uh, we see you know where Mark Davis is going with this, and you know at the end of the day, yeah, I mean it sounds it definitely looks like Sandra Douglas Morgan, who is the new president of the Las Vegas Raiders, she was named today, I mean, has a, a great bona fide background, a very positive background. And again, there's the Las Vegas tie. Like you said, she's a Las Vegas native, and uh, she's entrenched herself into this community uh, for, for a long uh, time here. Uh, Sam, as we know, this is the third president that the Raiders basically have had in the last year. Um, yeah. Give me some thoughts here. I mean... What has been the problem here? And uh, I've never seen another organization that has gone through these changes. It started with Mark Bedane, then uh, you know it. You know they they lost another president after the John Gruden fiasco, and then here we go again. So uh, give me some thoughts on this. Yeah, I think um, you know I think TC. It just again it kind of speaks to um, some of the the issues that they were having with with workplace culture that the New York Times and you know we at the Review Journal. Uh, reported on just kind of some of the things that were happening. It was a, um, you know, a, a culture that I guess wasn't conducive to, to positivity. And, and Mark Davis said today he thought, uh, you know, paraphrasing here, but more or less he thought that, you know, titles and status became a little bit too much of a priority and that they, you know, kind of went away from the values, the, the family values that have powered the franchise uh, to where it, where it is, where, you know, even though there's been the struggles over the past couple of decades, still one of the most iconic brands uh, in football. He thought they kind of got away from that, and that's why you saw some of the turnover. And, and again, you know, the hire um, today uh, of Sandra, Sandra Douglas Morgan is about stabilizing what you have going on, leading, you know, the future of this program uh, as it pertains to Las Vegas, now where the city has had roots for, for a couple of years. So, again, it just kind of makes sense, uh, given what, what the, with the turnover on the football side, too, having a hard reset organizationally on both the football side and both the business business side, 
and, and hiring people that, that he trusts are the best for the job to lead this organization into the future. So, of course, we'll, still, we'll, we have, we'll have to see um, how everything plays out, but I think T.C. on and off the field the last you know couple of decades since the Super Bowl appearance, more or less, this is a, a franchise that has been known for instability. When you talk about the different coaches, the, the number of coaches that they've cycled through, the, the, the failure that they've had on the field, um, just some of the issues they've had uh, in general. Now, at this point, you sense that there's some stability on, on the way. Of course, you know they have to win football games on the field in order to ensure that, and, and some of the moves that the new regime has made suggest that that is a, definitely a priority right now. This isn't a rebuild job. that They want to be competitive right now, and they, clearly with the hire of Sandra Douglas Morgan, they want to reshape their, their culture on the business side right now uh, as well. There, there was an urgency to do this, to go about doing this, and the fact that they're happening in conjunction um, with one another says, uh, you know, could say a lot about uh, the direction of the next, you know, five to ten years of this franchise. So we'll see how it plays out in the fall. I mean, training camp is right around the corner uh, in, in a couple weeks. You had Max Crosby, TC, out there uh, today in support uh, of his new team president. And it really seems like um, a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement um, down there uh, at Allegiant Stadium and down there at the, at the Intermountain uh, Healthcare Performance Center. Uh, in Henderson, there there is enthusiasm. There is a lot of optimism about what this what this fall and winter uh, could represent for the franchise, and, and you really got a, a feel for that um, today. This franchise wants to ensure uh, that the the the, 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 the I guess the, the merry-go-round uh, of coaches and executives stops, and they believe they have the right people uh, in place for the job. So we'll we'll see how that all plays out, but but definitely a lot of optimism with the Raiders internally right now. All right, he is Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, check out uh, Sam's columns here um, all the time and uh, great stuff there. I know that he'll be writing about uh, this uh, the situation with the Raiders. Uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan uh, announced today by Mark Davis, the new president of the Las Vegas Raiders. Before I let you go, Sam, real quick, Baker Mayfield to Carolina. I want to know who's the Panther starting quarterback opening day? Who's the Browns starting quarterback opening day? Oh, geez. I, I do feel relatively um, confident, right, provided Baker Mayfield passes his physical TC. We saw reports that he's a little heavy right now. Um, if, if he passes his physical, I think there's no doubt he's the guy. Sam Darnold just hasn't cut it. Uh, in Cleveland, though, there's questions. I, I would be surprised, um, given you know what we know about Deshaun Watson uh, and his legal situation, uh, if he if he plays this year, I think when you see the number of allegations, I think the NFL is definitely uh, alarmed by that. Uh, it's you know perplexing why Cleveland, knowing what they do, uh, went all in on him and guaranteed him uh, that kind of money. But but that's neither here nor there at this point. The the, the bottom line is Baker Mayfield is is out the door, and you don't know who you're going to have at quarterback uh, week one. So maybe, Hey, maybe it's, uh, you know, Nick Mullins finds his way back TC, uh, to, to, to Cleveland. He almost beat the Raiders as the third stringer, uh, at the end of last season. Maybe it's him. I don't, I, I don't know at this point, but, uh, it's a new era of football in Carolina, at least temporarily with, with Baker Mayfield. We'll see if he passes the physical, what he brings to the table, certainly an upgrade over Sam Darnold, but that's not a, I don't find that to be a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination, even if he is at a hundred percent. Well, if 
it's uh, you know the Browns situation, if Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, and that's what Roger Goodell is pushing for, uh, the next man up is Jacoby Brissett, as they just signed him. So uh, that that that'd be very 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 interesting to see how this whole thing you know plays out. Because definitely, I mean, Cleveland has shipped uh, Mayfield off. They're paying the majority of his salary for this season, ten point five million dollars. Uh, Carolina's got themselves a quarterback battle. It'd be interesting to see if it's a true quarterback competition, you know, come here at the end of July and early August with Darnold and and Mayfield. And like you said, we don't know what kind of shape Mayfield's going to be in. You just mentioned the physical shape, Sam. But remember, he's been rehabbing, you know, uh, a left shoulder, uh, you know, injury. He got surgery for. Not, it's his non-throwing, you know, uh, shoulder, but... Yeah, we don't know. It's pretty interesting, man. Uh, but hey, gives us something to talk about here before training camp, uh, you know, per, uh, you know, comes around here with the Raiders and everywhere else. So we'll see what happens. All right, brother. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, continue on, and uh, we look forward to having you. And uh, we'll get you back on next week. Uh, you and I will both be out at the NBA Summer League. I know you look forward to that. Great column that you wrote yesterday regarding the NBA Summer League, and uh, we'll get people out there to go check that out because I know you're excited about it. No, definitely MTC coming up this weekend. First on the docket for me, I'll be out there tonight to see Paolo Bancaro and Jabari Smith. Uh, but had the chance to um, to catch up with Orlando Robinson, formerly of Centennial High, who's now made, uh, was signed uh, signed a contract today with the Miami Heat uh, as an undrafted free agent, uh, detailing his journey from Vegas to Fresno State to Miami. That'll be running most likely on Sunday. So yeah, I can't wait to see one of my favorite times of the year. That we'll definitely look forward to seeing out uh, seeing you out there, uh, Thomas and Mack and Cox Pavilion, Cox Pavilion, and we'll talk soon. Appreciate everything. Take care, brother. Appreciate you. Okay, you there, too. talk to There he is, uh, Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. Is great follow on Twitter. Check him out on Twitter as well by Sam Gordon. All right, so Sam at the press conference today that concluded right before we came on the air today. Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president for the Raiders, announced by Mark Davis today. I mentioned this is the third president that the Raiders have had within the last year. Mark Bedain stepped down. Dan Venetrell was hired. Dan Venetrell gone. And today, Sandra Douglas Morgan from Las Vegas, and she has a you know quite a sterling resume. She met Mark Davis uh, about ten months ago, and like Sam said, there was talk about her joining the organization uh, in a different capacity regarding the Raiders Academy that they are putting together. She wasn't interested in that, but when the presidency was open and when talked about, obviously Mark Davis said, "Hey, uh, she's the person that I want running." Uh, this organization. Uh, here is a quote from Sandra Douglas Morgan. She says, let me be clear. I am not here to avoid or evade any problems or concerns that need to be addressed. I have a long and thoughtful uh, and thoughtfully considered joining you, and I did it because I believe in the promise of the Raiders. Above all, I believe in your core values of integrity, community, and a commitment to excellence. I expect you to embody them and hold me responsible for doing the same. So a new era as far as presidency, a new era altogether. I mean, second year for the Raiders, well, actually third year, you can look at it like that, being here in Las Vegas. This will be the first time that they've had a new president, new head coach, new general manager, all beginning the season together. Josh McDaniel, the head coach, Dave Ziegler, the general manager, 
and Sandra Douglas Morgan, the president of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I know a lot of people are excited about the Raiders. Everybody is excited about their team come this time of year because, hey, everybody's 0-0, zero and zero, right? That's it. But when you got Devontae Adams, you got Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball, you've got some, some basically all-pro guys that are joining your franchise and your organization, and you believe that, you know, hey, Derek Carr is still your quarterback, and then there is that familiarity and that connection with Derek Carr bringing Devontae Adams to Las Vegas. Could be an exciting time. Question is, once training camp uh, gets underway, battling for positions, see how everybody, you know, relates to Josh McDaniel. Everything we've heard so far has been good uh, in the OTAs, in the offseason. But we've also, you know, heard that, hey, a lot of the Raiders have said it is a little bit different. There's no question about it. So a different can be good. There's no question about it. This organization, just since the time they have relocated Las Vegas, has gone through a lot of turmoil. Uh, Now hiring their third president in about a year's time. You've had three head coaches, obviously one interim in Rich Passaccia. You have the John Gruden mess. And now you got Josh McDaniel. So a lot of turnover, a lot of change. And uh, we'll see if it all pays off for the Raiders as they start their 2022 season here in training camp uh, three weeks from now. All right, we come back. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We talk a little Major League Baseball and a whole lot more coming your way from a betting side next. Tell me a story. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the doctor. Uh, all right, well, so it was a real quiet. Boom! <laughs> 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 you never know. That's the point. Go, go. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Thunderous Thursday edition. Oh, yes, Mickey Sudo joined us earlier today. Sam Gordon, appreciate that. All those interviews up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Becky Hammond as well, too. You can get all that up there on the website tomorrow out at the Thomas Mack Center. NBA Summer League kicks off tonight with two games at 7 and 9 o'clock. Everybody, all 30 teams in action starting tomorrow and we'll be out there between 2 and 4. So if you're rolling by the Thomas and Matt, come on by, say hi. Be on the concourse. Always fun, always great. A tradition broadcasting out at the NBA Summer League because you never know who is going to be there and who is going to be on the show. All right, one thing you can count on, usually on a Thursday afternoon about this time, it is like clockwork that you will get. Handicapper extraordinaire, Scott Spritzer. Scott wins the king of ribeyes and T-bones. What's going on, my friend? Obviously, you got that check I sent. Yeah. <laughs> Ex- except there, me and his money. there was not a gift card for one of the, your favorite fine steakhouses. And, and what happens last night, Scott? I get to the Mandalay Bay, and I'm settling in to do my show. And there's your boy in his three-piece suit. Willie G says, hey. Hear about Scott and I went we, we went to a steakhouse the other night. I said, "Oh, I heard all about it, my friend." I said, "Really? <laughs> that had to set you back at least a month." <laughs> you know, that's that's funny. I mean, we couldn't get him to pick up the bill, but we Forget did get him it. to pay his own way, so yeah. that was kind of nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, what? A, oh my gosh, twenty. I don't think I could eat another steak for oh at least an hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Good stuff there. All right, brother. Uh, what's going on? I we got base. Ball. We've got 
you know, we've been talking a lot of aces today. Again, bad performance by the aces last night, defensively uh, atrocious. And then the Sabrina Ionescu, you know, triple double, the 30 point triple double. First time we've seen that in WNBA history. I know you bet the WNBA a lot. You follow this. And this is the thing about Scott. He is handicapping and staying up all hours of the night, as we've talked about so many times, with a variety of different sports here. But uh, again, I know that you not only handicap this, but you're you're a fan of the WNBA and you're a fan of the Aces. And probably like a lot of us, Scott, you're a little concerned right now. Yeah, I am. And, you know, I was watching last night's game and I was torn between should I lay, I think it was six or so. Yeah, it was six for the first half. Or should I lay at the time I got it, which was the night before when the lines first came out. Uh, should I jump down on 10 full game? And it eventually got to 11 and a half. And, of course, the 10 proved to be the wrong decision, which is the decision I made rather than the first half, and they actually led by eight at halftime. So when I'm kind of watching the game last night, and I'm thinking, all right, it's not super safe here or anything like that, but it felt good that they were up eight at halftime, and then we saw what happened in the second half. And, you know, you, you know this team obviously closer than I do, but as a handicapper and watching it, you know, you score 107 points in the WNBA uh, with the limited amount of minutes played in that league. Uh, you, you can't give up 116. And I know it wasn't all just the fact that Vegas – was not great on the defensive end yet again. It was also the fact that you had a team that came into Mandalay Bay and hit 18 of 31 threes, 58% of their three-pointers. So we got to give them some credit, too. But again, I saw it just looked to me, TC, at times. And, and again, I'm, I'm speaking as a guy who's not as close to it as you are, but just some kind of a funk on the offensive end where the set plays don't seem to be forming for this team over big chunks of game time. And they also seem to be a little bit out of place on the, on the defensive end. Uh, and we've seen that now for a few games. Now, the book's got to be loving it because they keep making people lay a premium. And I think they've only covered like one of the last seven games or something like that, uh, which we did have the aces in that game, too, a few nights ago. But, uh, and that was at Minnesota, that first game at Minnesota. Right, right. So I'm looking at this team, and the reason I jumped on them, for one, is that they came off that 31-point loss to Minnesota in the second game in Minneapolis and I really thought they'd have that focus back. And they did for the most part of the first half. But then again, like I said, in the second half, it was just a mess at both ends of the floor. Even though they scored 107, it wasn't a great offensive schemed game, I thought, even though they scored all those points. Yeah. And again, that's, that's the problem here uh, with the, the lines. I mean, these lines are very inflated, and they have been. And remember, I mean, going back to the last, what, two years now, three years, that the oddsmakers have made the Aces the favorite to win it all. And I remember, you know, we talked about that when Bill Lambeer was here, and he was just kind of saying, really? I mean, I, I don't know about this. And, you know, for the most part, you know, not to take a, a stab at, at the line makers, but, I mean, a lot of people really don't know this league. They don't follow this league. And it's like kind of like name recognition type of thing. It's like, okay, you got MVP, Asia Wilson, Las Vegas, you know, we're going to be getting all this money. But these, these lines are really inflated, Scott, when it comes to the aces and uh, there is a lot of value in playing, you know, underdogs with them. And there are those spots where, you know, when they're even on the road, the, the line is probably a little bit higher than, than it should be. But, th- I, you know, this is a good team. It is a good team. But right now, 
they're not playing good defense, and that's what Becky Hammond is screaming about. It's like, hey, can you please give me 40 minutes in a game? And the Aces will play 20 or 23 minutes of great basketball. I mean, they'll go on the run like they did last night. They went on, what, two or three different, you know, uh, 11-0 runs, a 10-0 run, and a 12-0 run at different uh, parts of the game last night, but then they give those right back up. So, yeah, if you like scoring, then you had a great time at the Mandalay Bay last night. Uh, but 116-107, it was entertaining, but, man, it was frustrating if you're an Aces fan. And like you said, you can't give up 116. It just can't happen. Especially in the limited amount of time you play. This isn't, you know, 12-minute quarters like we see in the NBA. And also, I, I, I kind of beg to differ a little bit. I think the odds makers are doing their job because they're getting the majority of the money each night from what I've, you know, heard from odds makers on Vegas. And Vegas is 1-8. and eight now in the last night against the spread. So like last night, that line opened as low as 10, got up to 11 and a half. So you know where the money was coming in, both public and sharp, and they got the money again, the book. So, you know, to me, it's like, it's kind of like the big, like the Golden Knights. You know, you got to lay a premium with the Golden Knights every time this team takes the ice, no matter how well they're playing or not, you know. And, and so they're kind of doing the same thing with the Aces. And, again, I think, you know, if you're the books, you're probably smiling right now oh, yeah. behind the counter because they just keep setting these premium numbers. It's like, you know, the Duke Blue Devils in the past when that team would take the floor seven, eight years ago, maybe even not going back that far, you always had to lay a premium with Duke. When Tom Brady was in New England, you had to lay a premium with New England. Now, New England kept covering anyway, but Vegas certainly is not. Mm. Scott Spritzer joins us, and Scott, we talk, we got getting ready for NBA Summer League that is 10 days, which is a lot of frolic and fun, uh, kind of a carnival atmosphere, but you know the books do put these lines up on the board too, and when we talked to Chuck Esposito yesterday, he's talking about, no, it's, you know, they're going to have in-game wagering. They got everything here. I don't know about you, but uh, do you get involved in trying to handicap these games, and do you play any of these games at the NBA Summer League here in Vegas? Listen, I'm a guy who's gone as far as playing K, you know, Korean baseball. Yep. So I'm not going to fault anybody for playing NBA Summer League. I just choose not to. And, the, you know, I, I mean, there's one thing that I thought about jumping in on here is maybe, you know, going against Chet Holmgren for Rookie of the Year. Uh, he goes, his odds go from, you know, to the favorite, like I forget what it was exactly, but around plus 550 to like plus 300, 350 for Rookie of the Year for the upcoming NBA regular season based off of his debut the other night when he scored 23 and had six blocks. Then we saw last night he comes back in his second game and he gets knocked all over the court by Kenny Lofton Jr., (laughs) who's, you know, a big body. And I'm like, that's what's going to happen in the NBA. So there's no way. I mean, maybe Chet surprises me and and gets, you know, wins the rookie of the year his upcoming rookie season. But, man, it's like I remember your boy Cartwright, you know, kind of commenting, saying, you know, he's just too skinny. They're going to knock him all over the place. And I think he had more colorful words than that from what you told me. But <laughs> the bottom line is, is that, you know, I look at this and I'm like, man, people are overreacting like crazy to one game. Comes out second game. I think he scored 11. He grabbed 10 or 11 boards, but he didn't shoot well. And again, on defense, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights from last night's game, TC. It was on ESPN. I was watching parts of it. They were just lowering their shoulder and just taking him to the hoop and knocking him into the eighth row. You know, and, and it's like I'm going, you know, you're not going to get those calls in the NBA like maybe you would have in college. And, you know, he's, he's 7'1", 7'2", what is he, 180, 190 pounds. And, you know, I, I know what I'm saying kind of sounds like the obvious from the eye test, but I just don't see this guy, 
you know, lasting an entire NBA season with all the bumps and bruises he's liable to take. They're going to test him. They're going to put shoulders in this guy's chest. They're going to knock him around. They're going to see if he's tough. And I think it's going to take him a while to get adjusted to that kind of physical basketball. Well, I mean, not only that, Scott, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I just, you know, when he went that high, I'm just shaking my head uh, because it doesn't make any sense. And you're right, he's 190 pounds. And, you know, we, I talked about some of his comments that he had made uh, going back a few weeks ago. You know, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine where I'm at right now. Well, no, you're not. I mean, you need to bulk up. And we go, go back to all of these players in the NBA. It doesn't matter if you're a guard, if you're a forward, power forward, center, but especially if you're one of the big men, you do have to bulk up and you can't shy away from that. And he is getting banged around, like you mentioned last night, by and will for the next nine, ten days of this NBA Summer League here by rookies and second-year players and street-free agents, what's going to happen when he's got to go up against the big boys? You know what I mean? When he goes up against Al Horford and and some of these other guys on a night-in and night-out basis. I mean, it's going to get downright ugly. So he should be shining right now, and he better shine here in in the next 10 days. But I don't don't count that he will do that. I think he's in for a long haul here. He is going to turn into one of these seven-footers that is going to hang out the perimeter, and unless he is shooting 35 38% from three-point land, he's not going to have much value you to a team uh so that's that's the way i look at it here well and i'm with you and you know what i'd I'd love to you know maybe you asked bill cartwright this on one of your shows that he's been on with you you know like back in the late stages of the season college season at a march madness but if like if bill cartwright let's say he's in the league right now he's in his fourth or fifth year of course he's a big seven footer he's got size isn't it like in your mind when i go up against this kid i'm going to take it to him because you know, he's been presented to us in no fault of his own. Chet Holmgren, just he does all the right things. But it's in, now in your mind, it's, everybody's talked about this, you know, all this media hype, this phenom. Oh, my gosh, he's the Shohei Otani of NBA because he could dribble up, he could play point guard, he could do this, that, and the other. So doesn't it become to bigger players in the NBA almost like it's, it's a just in your mind, I'm going to take it to this kid. I'm going to knock him all over the court. If they're not going to call me for PFs, personal fouls, I'm just going to keep banging them all over the place. And so to me, it's like that's the challenge uh, when he plays Al Horford. These guys are going to just come in and just say, we're going to make this kid look bad if we can. We're going to test him. Nothing personal. If he withstands it and has a good season and he plays well against me, yeah, I'll be the first one to pat him on the back. But in the meantime, he's going to, he's going to taste a few of my shoulders. So I think he's got kind of a, a – not that it was, again, his doing – other than he's been playing extremely well all of his life, but he's got that target on his back as far as I'm concerned. And I got that feeling watching Kitty Lofton Jr. was almost like they just put a target on this guy for me, and I'm going to take a shot at him. You are right on the money with that, and that's exactly the way, you know, going back, I'll give you a couple of examples of veteran players like Cartwright and, and other big men like that. When you have a guy like that who's coming out of college or is new to the league, and especially when they come in with a little bit of hype, yeah, it is your your birthright, so to speak, or is, is your in open invitation like, yes, I'm going to take this guy down low. I'm going to punish him. I'm going to school him. And back in those days, when you go back to the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s, you know, where they could get away with that because the physical play was you know, much more tolerated by officials sure. than everybody else. I'll give you two examples. 
when Manute Bull came into the league and Sean Bradley came into the league, that's exactly what guys did. Guys like Moses Malone, like Bill Cartwright, like Kevin McHale, like Daryl Dawkins, guys of that nature, that, that's what they did. Even Carl Malone. Those guys took it to those type of guys and wanted to send a message. It's like, are you kidding? You're playing with the big boys now. And what happens, Scott, always with those officials, what do they do? They swallow their whistle. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and and Bill has told the story when he came into the league, how his first game was against Wes Unseld. Even though Wes oh, Unseld wow. was 6'8 and Bill was 7'1, Wes Unseld took him to school. You right. know? And then same thing with Artis Gilmore. Uh, did the same thing. And it's just like, okay, yeah, it's kind of like your birthright now as, you know, when you get into the league for three, four, five years, and then you beat down those younger guys. But you're exactly right. I think that's exactly what you're going to see, even though this is a different time frame now and we don't really see a lot of the big men like we said you know back you know 20 30 years goes uh, 30 years ago like the guys that we're talking about we don't have that many you know uh you know 610 7 foot you know 270 280 pound guys like you did back in the day it's a different game as we know but still yeah you're going to see that when you mentioned I'm thinking about that. Could you imagine Chet going into that league with Chocolate Thunder, Mailman Malone, <laughs> Moses Malone? Oh, my gosh, forget about it. So what Chet's got to do is keep his cool. He's got to understand that he does have a target on his back and not get flustered. You know what I mean? Of course he's going to get frustrated at times, but he's got to not take it personal. It's almost like they're welcoming you you know, into the, into the big boy gang. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're going to take your lumps, and you better be able to deal with it. And, again, if he does, if he keeps his mindset, bulks up a little bit, let's say by year three he's got an extra 30 pounds on him, and he's playing well for the most part, you know, they're going to welcome, in it, welcome him into that group kind of as opposed to just trying to body him all over the place. He's just got to keep his cool. I wish nothing but the best for him because everything he's done thus far has been positive to developing his game. He's just got to develop his body now. Yep, absolutely correct. All right, let's talk a little baseball here, Scott, as uh, we look at a uh, weekend you know, coming up here. We uh, had a game earlier today. The uh, Astros were a 335 favorite here today. And again, they found themselves getting behind again. And the run line was minus 150 today. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there and I said, I, go, I want no part of this. But, you know, with, coming off the loss yesterday, I said, okay, I'd love to play Verlander, but I can't lay 335. So what do I do, Scott? I said, okay, I'm going to lay the run line. And, you know, I'm not a big run line fan. And what was I saying to myself, Scott? You know me very well. What was I saying when the Royals were ahead 2 nothing today? What was I saying? Well, I would have been saying it's the Houston Astros, so I've got about a 90% chance yet to cover this one and a half. I should be um, saying that, but I wasn't. But, uh, but you're kicking yourself. Yeah, I know. You're kicking yourself. Home team, too, because you don't get the nice yes. that bet. Yes. At that, excuse me, if you're leading by one. So, I, And I know you hate home team run lines on top of everything else. Uh, fortunately, something deep inside of you made you lay that run and a half anyway. I got to tell you, TC, I could not do it. I was looking at it last night, and I almost, I almost texted. I was going to say, "Should we?" And I said, "Nah, I'm not going to lay a buck fifty or so on top of a runs line with a team that, if they're leading, you know, by one going into the bottom of the ninth, we're done. They're not going to have a yep. bottom of the ninth. Yep. At the same time, it's like I'm not coming back and taking the money line or get plus one and a half, plus a buck forty or so with KC against Houston with the way they're playing. Especially especially with Verlander on the mound. And what do they do? Again, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Maybe it was you on the morning show. And I was like, you know, 
I, I don't go against the Angels when Otani's on the mound. You're asking for trouble. But I will go against the Angels almost every other time right. that they're taking, you know, that they're taking the field lately. And they could be up 2 nothing in the second, and I'm like, I don't care. You know, it, I mean, I might lose this bet, but I got a great chance that by the seventh inning, the team I'm on is going to be leading. I don't care if the Angels are up 2 nothing. Well, it's the same thing with Houston, flipped around. You could be down 2 nothing after one, down 2 nothing after two, and you're like, so what? It's like the NBA. It doesn't matter till the final two minutes. That's kind of Houston. You know, it's like, all right, they started slow. They're down 2 nothing. They're down 3-1. to one. Um, I should make a bet now that by the sixth inning, they're up by two runs. You know, it's almost that, it's almost that crazy with this team. Yeah. Well, Bubich going, you know, today, it's like, okay, this is one of the worst starters out there. And he said Verlander figured, okay, yeah, this is, this really should happen. No doubt. And then again, you get into that and then the Royals were walking uh, players. And then my favorite sound I get when he starts blowing up and you go to that Kansas city bullpen. If you're at Minute Maid Park, you get this Scott. This is what you get. <laughs> you start going crazy. The Kill Bill theme song is like, you're going to the pen. There you go. Here comes El Tuve. Here comes Alvarez. And then we get a 5-2 winner. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's clockwork right now. <laughs> and, you know, I know they're not doing this, but if I ever talked to Dusty, I'd go, listen, I get it. You like a challenge. You're telling your players to get down 2 nothing after two innings every night and see if you can come back, how much you can win by it. It almost feels like that with this team right now. Right, it does. All right, man, uh, let's look at, uh, look at the Yankees tonight. What do you think? Yankees, Red Sox. I love Yankees, Red Sox, no matter where they play, and it really helps when both teams are relevant, and we know the Yankees are relevant, and the, and the Red Sox still are as well, too. So looking forward to this four game series. The Yankees coming off a 16-0 blasting last night. You and I talked about this game you know, yesterday about okay, Yankees got zero on Sunday against Cleveland. They got two uh, on Monday and uh, yeah, they're probably going to bust out. Yankees going to lose three in a row. Probably, probably not going to happen. And uh, what do they do? They get two touchdowns. I don't know if they went for two or they got a safety Scott, but 16-0 was beautiful yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, they went for two on both touchdowns. I was watching. They like to punish teams. But, you know, it's funny. I'm watching that game last night, and, you know, we talked about it yesterday morning that, you know, the the line had come down a little bit when it was announced that Rizzo was out, but, you know, no big deal. I mean, they're okay at first. And we're talking about no big deal with a guy who's hit 22 dingers on the season. So he's missing from the lineup. They score 16 runs. He's out again tonight, Aaron Judge in the last couple of hours has been ruled, or at least he's not in the lineup to start this game. And all of a sudden the line came down a little bit, but at one point, you know, you could get plus a buck 40 with the Red Sox at home. And the Red Sox had a tremendous month of June for the most part. And their bats are strong against righties. Cole has just been torn up at Fenway. If you judge Garrett Cole off his starts at Fenway over the last couple of years, you would think the guy was in double A AA or triple A. That's how bad it's been. They were 1-3 in his starts there last year. He got roughed up by him this year, earlier this season. That was in the Bronx. So you've got to, I think, factor all, the, all of that in. Um, and I don't worry if Rizzo's out. But, again, the Judge-Rizzo combination starts to make you think a little bit about, at least for me, I'm like, I can't lay a buck 50, a buck 60 or so with those two guys out. Doesn't mean they're not going to win. It's just dangerous. But then you've got Winkowski. You know, he hasn't seen a lineup like this, whether those two guys are in the lineup or not. Even without Judge, he hasn't seen this kind of lineup. Here could be the key factor. He's given up one home run in 26 innings pitch, talking about Winkowski. Obviously, he hasn't faced a lineup like this, but one home run in 26 innings, and the Yankees like the long ball. That's how they drive in the runs more often than not. You keep them from hitting them out of the yard, you've got a shot. They're only 3-3 three and three in the last six games. 
They scored 35 runs in the three wins, home runs, uh, but just three runs total in the three losses where they hit a total of one home run in three games and 27 innings of baseball. So it's all about Winkowski. I think this is a great game to kind of play in-game. See if Winkowski has his stuff against a lineup like the Yankees, like he's had against some of the also-rans in baseball. If he does, this might not be a bad you know, situation to jump on Boston. I didn't make a play on this game, TC, but I lean Boston plus the buck 40 because of everything I just mentioned. But again, it's a lean. I didn't pull the trigger. All right, so I did pull the trigger on the Yankees, and I'll tell you why. And this is a anti-Winkowski play. Five career starts uh, against Baltimore, Oakland, Detroit, and the Cubs. I think that's why his numbers look okay, Scott. But, you know, we talked about you know, the Yankees facing right-handed high school pitchers like they did yesterday. Well, they got another one, and uh, this is not, and I'm not making fun of Winkowski. I mean, the, that's this, you know, he didn't play college ball or whatever, didn't, uh, and didn't really uh, do well in, you know, in his minor league uh, stints here, but he's a high school pitcher. But that is not the main reason why I'm going against Winkowski, Scott. And I know you will be able to appreciate this because not only are you a traditionalist like me, but you also can appreciate art and you can appreciate <laughs> the great ballparks. Am I right about that, Scott Spritzer? Can I get a witness? Absolutely. Uh, Hallelujah. I appreciate great ballparks. There you Traditional, go. Traditional, long-standing ballparks are the best. There we go. So in his last start, he fa- the Red Sox played at Wrigley Field. Here's what Winkowski said. This is the quote after pitching at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I felt it was a little underwhelming. As I told my mom, that's my favorite part, as I told my mom, this place <laughs> is very stock standard. If you ask me, I really didn't feel anything, to be honest. It kind of just felt like another ballpark. Well, I call this guy underwhelming, Scott. Winkowski, you are underwhelming. How can you say that? That's sacrilege. Obviously, he never had the VNO beef hot dogs at Wrigley Field with the grilled onions and mustard, Scott Spritzer. The Ivy. What is wrong with this guy? Murphy Center Field. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, listen, that's karma all over it, right? I mean, that's just bad, bad karma. Uh, And, you know, that's not that reason, but because Winkowski hasn't really faced anybody yet is the reason it became a lead and not a play. (laughs) I'm not big, as you know. I don't like laying a buck 60, buck 70, but if I find a good reason, I fear not. So you sound like you found a couple of really good reasons. And that Wrigley (laughs) quote, I did not see that. That is bad, man. That is some serious bad karma coming his way. There it is. (laughs) How can you say that as a young kid and not appreciate you know, the history. I mean, really? And he's talking about Fenway is so much better than Wrigley. I mean, just keep your mouth shut, right? That's right. There you go. I mean, you say the right things. You say, man, all the history here it was a great night. Man, I just enjoyed myself. Yeah. I almost even couldn't concentrate because of all the history I was taking in. And, <laughs> you know, talk about a couple former players or something. Or just not even say anything. But to go out of your way to say that. Yes. Wow. That's, well, that's funny. Bad karma. All right, brother. Appreciate you as always. Go check him out. DocSports.com. Subscribe to Scott's Plays. Great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. There you have it, my friend. All right. Uh, we'll reconvene uh, again tomorrow on the baseball show. Check us out. Scott joins me. Always a lot of fun there, breaking down and handicapping the games. It is the MLB show on BetUS TV. You can find it through YouTube. So go to YouTube TV and check us out at 9 o'clock in the morning. So get some rest tonight, my friend. I will, sir. You too, man. Enjoy the night, and uh, we'll see you in the morning. Sounds good. I appreciate you. There he is. Scott Spritza, my man. want to thank him. 
Also want to thank Sam Gordon, talking a little Raiders today. Mickey Sudo, the eight-time women's champion. Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. Great stuff there. And then uh, Becky Hammond uh, joined us talking about the Aces struggles right now. We are at the NBA Summer League tomorrow at the Thomas and Max Center. Come on by. Say hi. We're doing it at 2 o'clock tomorrow. A lot of hoop to talk about with plenty of guests. And if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.